Today on episode 268 of the Computer Tutor Podcast, I've mentioned before that Windows 10 is a lot better now than when it first came out, but there are still some issues with it. Today I'm going to tell you about three settings I always change whenever I'm setting up a Windows 10 computer. And today I'm adding a new segment to the show where I'll tell you about a particular episode of some podcast I've recently listened to that I think you might find interesting. Welcome to another episode of The Computer Tutor, tips, tricks, and advice from a computer pro without all the tech talk. And now, here is your computer tutor, Scott Johnson. Hey, good morning and welcome back to the Computer Tutor Podcast. I am your personal computer tutor, Scott Johnson, and I'm here every Monday morning, every single week to show you how to do cool things on your computer. And for most of the episodes on the show, my goal is for you to get to the end of the show and say, wow, I didn't know I could do that. And everything is explained in plain English, no geek speak. I've been working on computers since 1999, and I have clients all over the U.S., and the nice thing is this, I can do almost every repair remotely. So if your computer's running too slow, or it's got a virus, or any kind of problem, wherever you are, I can fix it. Just give me a call, 727-254-9078, or email me at pctutor at gmail.com. Today's computer tip can be seen over at my website if you go to computertutorflorida.com forward slash 268. So let's get started. I use Windows 10 on my primary computer, and it's made a lot of progress in the last couple of years since it came out, but it's still got a long way to go before you're going to be able to just buy a new computer and use it right out of the box without changing any settings. And to be honest, I don't really expect that to ever happen. You know, Microsoft has their agenda, so they set up Windows with that in mind. And when that agenda is in conflict with the way I want to use my computer, well, some things are going to get changed. As part of my business, I set up Windows 10 computers all the time now. Could be for a client that just bought a brand new computer, or it could be a computer that just needs Windows 10 reinstalled, or it could be a laptop I'm setting up to be for sale. Whenever I do this, I have a whole routine of things I do. Settings to be changed, software to be installed, some software to be uninstalled, and all kinds of stuff like that. But these three things today, I would say, would be things that you should do on your Windows 10 computer as a bare minimum. I'd recommend these for any computer that's running the most recent version of Windows 10. So item number one on this list is to set Chrome to be the default web browser. When you first set up Windows 10, the default browser is Microsoft Edge. Can't stand it. We're not actually going to uninstall Edge from the computer completely. We're just going to change the setting so that the default web browser is Chrome, not Edge. To do this, you click the Start button and then click on Settings and choose the one called System. And on the left side of that window, click on Default Apps. Then scroll down to where you see Web Browser listed and click on Edge. That's going to bring up a list of the web browsers that are installed on your computer, so you can choose the one you want. And, of course, you click on Google Chrome. Of course, prior to doing this, you need to get Chrome installed on your computer first. You can get that at google.com slash chrome. And, by the way, if you decide to make Firefox your default browser instead of Chrome, I'm okay with that, too, because they're both way better than Edge. Next up on the list, we're going to change the default PDF program to Adobe Reader. Out of these three, this is the one that 
probably raises my blood pressure the most. You know, everyone in the world knows that when you click on a PDF file to open it, it's supposed to open in Adobe Reader. But Microsoft wants to change the world. So in Windows 10, if you click on a PDF file, it's going to open in the Edge web browser. So not only is it obnoxious that they would set it up this way, but in addition to that, it makes no sense at all. Typically, a PDF file is going to be some kind of document. So why would anyone want to have it open up in a program that's designed to view websites? I seriously don't get it at all. If you know why they did this, please call me or email me and let me know because it really has me baffled. But we're going to change it. So obviously, first, you need to have Adobe Reader installed on your computer. You can get that at adobe.com. Just scroll down to the bottom of the page and you'll see the link. Just be careful during the installation because they'll try to sneak in some junk programs along with Adobe Reader. So make sure you uncheck those boxes. So now you have Adobe Reader installed. To set it as a default program for PDF files, we're going to kind of start off the same procedure as we did in step one where we changed the web browser. You click the start button, then settings, then click on system, and then choose the section called default apps. Then you scroll down to the bottom of the list and click on set defaults by app. This is going to show you a list of programs, so you just click once on Adobe Acrobat Reader to highlight it, then click on the right side where it says set this program as default. Problem solved. And if you want to check it, that's pretty easy. Just go to your documents folder and find a PDF file and double click on it. You should see that it opens up in Adobe Reader, just as God intended. And that brings us to number three. And if number two was one that really ticked me off, number three is kind of at the other end of the spectrum. Just meaning in the overall scheme of things, it's really not a big deal, but it's still something I like to change anyway. On any new installation of Windows 10 now, if you open the Internet Explorer web browser, you'll see a tab at the top. This is a tab that's in addition to whatever tabs you already have open. And you'll see that the tab itself has the logo for the Edge web browser. And what does that tab do? You guessed it, it opens Edge. The Microsoft browsers, they're so hot for you to use, even though it sucks. Now, if you're like me, you probably never open Internet Explorer in the first place anyway, but I still just don't like the idea that Microsoft has that extra little tab there, just another poke to get you to use a program you don't want to use. They're like a little mosquito that's buzzing around your head. So let's just swat that little mosquito and get rid of it. To remove that little tab, you need to open Internet Explorer, and in the toolbar, click on Tools, then choose Internet Options. And in the new window that comes up, click on the Advanced tab, and then scroll down just a little bit. You'll see an item that says Hide the button next to the New Tab button. And it has a little checkbox next to it. So just check that box and click OK. So now you can close Internet Explorer and open it again, and that tab won't be there. And if you weren't able to write down these steps as I talked about them here on the podcast, you can get all of them along with screenshots over at my website today, which is at computertutorflorida.com forward slash 268. And you might have noticed all three of these basic settings changes have involved Edge. They are really pushing it hard, but all their marketing really isn't working. Throughout the whole world, less than 10% of computer users use the Microsoft web browsers. That means Internet Explorer and Edge combined have less than 10% of the market share. Google Chrome is the leader by far with about 57%. So it just shows you can push your products on people all you want, but if the product isn't any good, people aren't going to use it. 
And the other thing I wanted to talk about today was a recent podcast episode that I listened to. This is something I've thought about for a while, something I could kind of add as a segment to this show every once in a while when I come across some other podcast episode that's really cool or interesting. Probably won't do it every show, just whenever I come across something. And I want to thank my listener, Dallas Acker, for kind of pushing me in this direction. He sent me an email asking about what podcasts I listen to because he said he's always on the lookout for new podcasts he haven't discovered yet. So that was kind of the nudge I needed, not to come on here and tell you the whole list of shows that I subscribe to, but to highlight some recent show that I want to recommend. My own criteria for a podcast episode I'm listening to to be really good is that it makes me think. At least that's one of the criteria I use anyway. And not too long ago, I heard an episode of Radiolab that really did that. So if you look up the podcast called Radiolab, that's all one word, and it's the episode called Driverless Dilemma, and it was published on September 26 of this year. The hosts on the show talk about a moral question. If you saw an out-of-control trolley car, and it was headed down the track, and on that track were five people just up ahead. They're standing on the track. So those five people would be killed unless something happened. But you have a switch in front of you, and if you hit that switch, the trolley car is going to change tracks, and on that other track, there's just one person up ahead, so that person, so that one person will die. The question is, would you flip that switch, knowing that the one person would die, but that the other five people would live? And when people were surveyed about this, most people said, yes, they would flip the switch. Then the scenario was changed. The trolley car is still out of control and headed toward the five people, but rather than a switch, you're standing next to a large man who's right next to the track. Now, if you push the man onto the track, the trolley car is going to run over him and kill him, but it would be stopped and the five people would be saved. When people were asked if they would do that, most of them said no, they wouldn't, even though logically the math is still the same. Now, that in itself is an interesting question, but they took it a step further to talk about driverless cars. Now, I'm sure you know that cars that drive themselves are soon going to become a routine part of our lives. The question is, how will the car itself make a decision such as that? If it sees a crash coming up and it has choices, the question is, how will the car itself make a decision like that? If it sees a crash coming up and it has choices to make on what to do, because at some point these driverless cars are going to be networked and actually communicating with each other. So two cars could be on a collision course where like one or more of their passengers could be killed, and the car has to decide the best action to take. Would you want to be riding in a car that could potentially decide to risk killing you for the greater good, like saving the lives of several people? Really made me think. And it's questions like that that make me love being alive at this time when technology is developing so quickly. But anyway, look up that podcast, Radio Lab, on September 26th. Let me know what you think about it. And now you've just spent about 10 minutes listening to me talk, and I appreciate that, and I hope I made it worthwhile. If you do get value from this and you'd like to support this podcast, you can do that very easily, and I'm not asking you to send me any money either. All you have to do is shop on Amazon using my referral link. So just go to computertutorflorida.com forward slash shop, and you're going to find yourself right on Amazon, or you can click the Amazon link right there at the top of my website, and just buy the stuff you normally buy. And you're going to pay the exact same price either way. But by using that link, that just means Amazon sends me a little referral fee. That's how you can support this podcast, and I thank you for that. And if you have a podcast that you think I'd be interested in, let's hear it. 
I'd also like to know if you like to hear me talk about other podcasts. So if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at pctutor at gmail.com, or you can call my podcast voicemail line 727-386-9468 and leave a recorded message anytime, day or night. And that'll do it for this week. As always, I'll see you back here next Monday morning with another computer tip. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Computer Tutor Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to contact me with a question, a comment, or a suggestion for a future topic, you're welcome to do so at my website, computertutorflorida.com. And while you're there, sign up for my free Monday morning email newsletter. If you have a computer problem, give me a call at 727-254-9078. In many cases, I can take care of a problem remotely, so it doesn't matter if you're here in Florida, up in Maine, or way out in California. I'd love to help. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. God bless.